are listening to Force-Fed Digital. BXU Heard. Yo, yo, what's going on? It's your boy, Kingsbridge Rich. This is the My Bronx Story podcast. Thank you for joining. Today, we're on episode 19. Today's episode is called Stray Cat's Authenticity's Price in the Spotlight. Emphasis on cat. Cat is spelled with a K. As we have seen, for most of us who have not been under a rock all this time, we've been seeing the trending clips and sound bites that's come from the Cat Williams, comedian, entertainer, movie star, and genius for what I've learned. But I learned a lot through watching that interview, The Shay Shay Show, and tons of people have been taken to social media and all over the place speaking on it. And so I don't want to sound gossipy and bring to you guys Hollywood gossip or pop gossip, because this is definitely not that vibe. That's not the vibe of this show. But in watching it in my curiosity, for one, I got a huge, much more of a respect for Cat Williams. He, I wasn't really feeling his style too much, and who he spoke to wasn't really, you know, my ears wasn't on that in the past for whatever time in my life I was. But that was his lane. He had a lane, and I was off of it. So I didn't knock him. I just, I didn't care for him at the time. However, in now seeing this and going back into old clips and people pulling receipts, you know how the internet is, which is so dope and so scary for a lot of people because... What we see now with the internet and the way that we're connected is that receipts is coming out of nowhere. The two and twos are not mathing is coming together and people are just connecting stories and now you're getting bigger narratives. So it's probably scary for some people who've been living a certain way. And so again, it's not to say anything really about pop. Yeah, it, it could sound a little gossipy, but again, like there's so much that you could have learned from Cat Williams. So one, the respect that I got for him. But for two, like, yo, this dude is actually a genius. I did not know that about him. And I think that kind of shows that I put him in a certain category in my mind based on how I saw him speak and how often it is that we're so worried and we code switch and we switch it up and this is our professional voice. Or some of us would call it our white voice for a while. And now that's not the right thing to say. So all to say is like, yo, I watched this thing and I want to share a little bit about it. But first off, we got to unpack it. But before we do that, please, guys, thank you for joining. I've been meeting amazing people, not in person, virtually. I do want to lead up to that and have the space where we can all chill out. So um, that is in the works for 2024. And it's going to be dope to see all the people who've been, even up to this point, catching me across all the socials and giving me the feedback. I always say, give me feedback, please. Everybody who's been following the, the My Bronx Story journey, and um, whether it's through TikTok, IG, like you guys have all been, and you can test, you can, um, you can attest to this. I'm always meeting new people and I'm always asking, please give me your feedback, good or bad. And it's because it means so much to me. And so I've been trying to engage more with you guys. So I must say thank you for you, um, for, for especially the recent ones. And I guess it's resonating as I, as I tell people, Hey, catch me on all my other socials. I'm saying it more on my lives. I'm saying it on the podcast. And I'm so, so I'm connecting with people who got a fuller idea of the My Bronx story journey and, and what it makes of. If you're just on TikTok, you're going to just get one side. If you're just on IG, you're just going to get another, Facebook another. So please, like for those who really are getting the true experience, it's those people that I'm engaging with across all pa platforms. 
And so if you've been riding out on one and it, and it feels good to you, trust me, you don't want to miss connecting. So please connect everywhere. And that is my plug to the social medias pretty much. We got a lot to unpack. So without further ado, here we go. Again, straight cat authenticity's price in the spotlight. So Cat Williams, known for his no-filter attitude, dropping some serious bombs on the entertainment industry. Um, so I want to start with the stand on integrity, right? So everything about his tone, and for those who have not seen it, because everybody who sees it makes sense, but for those who have not seen it, it's pretty much going down to integrity. Your personal integrity, how far are you willing to go to do what? Yo, we see the memes, we see the t-shirts, and you guys know the t-shirts that say $20 is $20. <laughs> Everybody got their breaking point or whatever. But um, what happens with Cat Williams is that he turned down roles. And there's a lot that's happened in the story. But one of the many things, right? He turned down a role that didn't align with his values. So, and then for us, right? What's the lesson in that? There's a lesson for that in us if we choose to look at areas in our life where that was us at one point. And so me watching Cat Williams brings me back to some places I like to share with you, some workplaces um, and, and, and a church experience that I had as well. So I don't have to make a whole episode shooting at people and people think I got it out for the church. So I know y'all going to hear it. But nonetheless, look, my experience is my experience, right? And so the two things I want to come out, I want to pull out in this little moment here uh, from the Cat Williams is uh, how often do we face choices that test our principles? And you got to think of the times that you've been in a place where you've said up until this point, yo, this is me. I don't care. This is how I rock. This is what I stand for. If they say this one more time, I'm a this. Right. And then the, the, the moment comes for all that talk, right, for the rubber to meet the road. Right. Now you for a second, listen or think about that time. What was that time for you? Was that at a, at a workspace? Was that with a relationship that, yo, like that conversation was like long overdue? So with Cat Williams, right, we see a lot of like, he's talking about his opportunities and his propositions as well. And so, right, to unpack all of that is to understand Cat Williams has a stance and he stands on principle. He stands on integrity. Integrity is what you are. Integrity is a virtue, right? If, if you're going to play in this world as the mean guy, then own it, live up to it and take all the heat. That's your lane. I can't knock you for your lane, but what I can knock you for is if you play in the lane and it's not authentic. And so the cost of being authentic in these times, right? People pleasing, trying to, you can't please everybody. You get to a certain platform and a height, celebrity status, people starting to know you. And I'm going to get to it, but the church too, right? Places where people gather, you got a community and there's quite a few people for this cause Whatever. This is just human dynamic. But so what happens or what you're willing to do to stand on your principle and to be integrous? Is that the word? To be a person of integrity. You guys got it. You know what I'm talking about. So that's one. How often do we face choices that test our principles? What are those for you? I'm going to share a few that they were for me. But the second thing, right, we're going to dive into the complexities of maintaining integrity in those challenging environments. And excuse me, I said church, this might be coming off sermonish, but I promise you, this is not a sermon. You might be snapping your fingers now or screaming, preach. Rich is speaking to me, right? Church this, right? Like we'd be saying that's church, even though it'd be like, this is secular 100%. And I'm not slamming the church, but let's, let's like talk about it. Anytime there's power and people in position to offer position, like you could kind of see where people's at. And Cat Williams in his... In his, um, in our experiences and in Cat Williams' experiences, right? Because he's the OG. He's already 
been down a road for a long time. So 20 years now, a person like that has already seen people move on the, I'm going to stand on my principle, this is who I am. Um, I'm going to appease to this crowd and what that buys you. Because at the end of the day, you got to choose who you're going to be. If you are out there thugging and playing the thug, then you better be ready when, when things get hot to not be frozen up because you will, be, you will get tested by life. That's just the general. So to hear somebody from Hollywood talk these principles about integrity and give these very rich scenarios that I'm by far in from, I'm like way, way down the totem pole. But all that is is scaled up. All that is, I'm saying, is just things that are just beefed up from the everyday things that we do. Because is that not the same thing as when you're at work and somebody kind of tries to let you bend? Look, look, I'll be doing this little this little scam on the low, right? It don't hurt nobody. Everything at the end, like, you know, the banks fix it up. And now you're that person because you have access. But you have integrity. Are you breaking that integrity or are you really realizing the true self that you are? And so in Cat Williams' interview, in this interview, in our lives, in my lives, in the reflections, right, let's, let's start with Borinquen, right? This is a place that I worked. As you can hear in the name, if you're Puerto Rican and you hear Borinquen, you already know that um, Borinquen is the island of Puerto Rico and the people of Puerto Rico. And so culturally, this is synonymous with the island. And, um, and these culture, this, these roots run really far back. And so for a while, I was working at a nonprofit organization that was a cultural nonprofit organization. It was the, the, the oldest one in Harlem, in the East Harlem area. Shout outs to East Harlem. I learned so much in my time there, right? But my integrity was tested so many times, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain. So here I go in this nonprofit organization, and I am, I am now working here as the executive assistant to the CEO. The CEO at the time was a woman, and um, really firecracker Boricua woman. She was an older woman. And so with time, I start learning the matters of, of the office. And just look, if you're looking for juicy, juicy gossip in between, I know how to play the balance. I'm going to tell you what's important to further the point. Because again, this is me putting you on. This is not about gossip. So just letting you know that's as juicy as it's going to get. It's not going to be bland. But I'm going to play along a little bit with the mild and spicy. That's, that's, that's my lane. So if you're here new to the podcast... I fucks with the spicy here and there with, you know, what I might say about you and people and groups and stuff. I'm not going to say I'm not with the shits or whatever, but like, yo, it's to the tune of my horn. These are my experiences. I'm going to tell you how it was. If it's to further the story and prove the point, I'm not going to spare none, but I know how to play the balance. But anyway, to the story, I worked at this place. And so you think a cultural institution, these people are to their roots. And because they're to their roots, like they're open-minded, it kind of would make you feel like the tone there. Is, is something that is adequate, beyond adequate. You'd expect that a person that's cultural is rooted enough that they care. And there's a certain kind of empathy that may come along with it that you might think is synonymous, but nah. I got myself as the executive assistant to the CEO. Like with time, you have so much access. So you start learning things of the past. You start learning about people because you're in such a position that you have to hear in the board meetings, situations, I'm taking minutes. I'm fixing minutes for the audits. And so in my experience, I, I had so much access to information. There were times that I went on behalf of the CEO up to Albany or like, you know, I, I'm paid for weekends. I'm sending to meetings with other CEOs. I'm going downtown to the Hispanic Federation on behalf of the whole organization to take notes, to, to bring an initiative back, to, to kind of like, you know, liaise between anyway. All to say in my time that that was the, the function I had for about five years. 
But it was at some point that, for one, I knew that it was a toxic environment, and that became tough because it was it was all that you would expect from what we see at home, and that shouldn't be the issue. We're in a professional place, and I'm seeing things that are that that resemble the the toxic and bad areas of home. And what are those things? Some of these things are control, right? Rules that are meant to protect both sides, right? Because when you think about rules, right? Real, rules are intended to to keep a balance. You guys stay on this side, you guys stay on that side. If everybody observes it, then the person that needs to enforce, it forces it to this, right? This is the clear understanding. The person that's getting enforced on, yo, this is what time it is. You know what time is it. This is the consequences for that, yada, yada, whatever. Like, this is just, this is basic stuff. But when you start playing around with that based on the skin color of somebody in the office, when you start realizing that, like, the, the Puerto Ricans are getting special privilege over the African-Americans in the job, you know, it puts you in a comfortable spot. Me, speaking about myself and my experience, where it's like, you know that that's the vibe, but are you joining the party? Like, you can hear the music from next door. I'm in my office. At one point, I was even off-site, so I was the director of, of, of the off-site program um, of outreach. And so now I got an even bigger position with the company. And that's when, like, my house of cards crumbled. I couldn't take the toxicity anymore. My final blow was, like, around the end of that, they had hired somebody new, and at some point, somewhere along the lines, that they felt like it was important to hawk me and to not trust me. And like, yo, while I was in that job, I had access. Like, I had the company whip. Funny, yo, funny thing, like, I didn't even... <laughs> so I'm going to tell y'all this if y'all listening anyway, but I didn't even have my license to drive when I first got that job. Speaking on it, because I probably won't get the opportunity to say this again, but um, at, at least make an episode out of it. But nonetheless, yo... You know, like, it's smart when you're going to go for a job that you read all the requirements and you you find your way to say yes to everything. But there be times on paper that it's like, ain't no working around it. And you just, you know, you, you tell yourself, I'm going to just say yeah. <laughs> so that happened to me. I got hired from this job. And um, one of the requirements of the job, I was supposed to be driving. And so it's like week one. I ain't got no license. I ain't got no vehicle. None of that. None of that. Right. I'm not in a I, I don't come from a household that we came up with vehicles. My father got locked up years ago. My mom never had a license. So if I was in like a whip, it was like an uncle that came to town to pick us up to like take us somewhere. So no Whippington situation at this point. And um like it's crazy. I take the job and now I'm I'm asked to drive the chairman of the board back home. I'm like, oh my God. I know how to drive. But I ain't got no license. So here I go the first month at that job, driving back and forth, doing all that. This one time that had me shook crazy. I'm driving and I see some lights go on behind me. Yo, these lights are the cop lights. And I pull over. But I'm pulling over right where the board member needed to go anyway. And I'm new here. I don't know that everybody's connected to everybody. I don't know that he's also on other boards and he knows the police. None of that's coming through my mind. And good thing that I didn't need any, any of that anyway at that point. But what happened was... Me shook, I pull over, it just happened to be at the same spot. And the car is probably like three cars of a distance behind us, the police car. And now I'm thinking, oh, no, 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 no. I'm saying this like audibly. And the board member's coming out, the chairman of the board, out the car, and he knocks on the door. That was the thing that he did when he left. Closed the door, knocked twice, he kept it moving. So now he keeps it moving, and I'm dealing with the lights. And now I'm like, no, 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 like saying it out loud. And I'm breathing crazy because I'm like, damn, I just got this job. This job is a good look. Like, this was a step up for sure. I left another job for this opportunity. And so I'm like, bet. You know, this is another rung up the ladder. And so I'm at this job now. A month, I get pulled over by the cops. So I think. 
So I'm shook. I'm giving the energy like I'm about to lose my job. And all along, they were just reporting to something because the board member lived in the projects and I was pulling up to the project. So the lights going on behind me had me shook and it had nothing to do with me. So anyway, that was how my first month started. And that was just a funny story in that job. But the Borinquen um, Neighborhood Health Center was, um, it was a, we had primary care, dentistry. We had social programs all throughout East Harlem. And so again, not only did I know things that occurred within a building, I, I heard things in the community. I knew about like when certain jobs and board members like had coups. And so just like all the political movements and people's, like it, it's crazy at that point how much you learn about people. Even when you hear like board members vent about a person and I'm in closed door because I'm the one taking minutes. And so like they look at me and, you know, I already know when it's an off the record moment. So it's crazy. And in that experience, what I what I realized is that at the very end of it, they started sicking the person on me. They wasn't trusting me. I'm not able to drive the whip like that. Every time I take the whip, they're asking questions. And like, yo, I've never been out of pocket. Every year I got a substantial raise. You know what I mean? I, I did good. I did well. I did my best. I did what I was supposed to do. And I never played with the party. And so when they started developing that party and there was a bunch of people part of that, and I just felt like, you know, everything was a crazy reprimand. Like this all came out of nowhere. I lost my foot and I didn't feel comfortable anymore. And I had to ask myself, like, am I staying here only because I need the money? Because if I make this whole experience entirely about the money, then I don't value myself. And if I stay here, I'm not valuing myself. And then like my last straw, they ended up putting a dude that I had relation with because I was a board member on the Latino Leadership Institute. This is Jaime Estadas in the Bronx. So, you know, I had a great time and it was good opportunity. I'm not going to knock none of that. Again, this is not spicy, juicy stuff. But for the real, like, you know, I didn't have a fallout, but I just kind of, at one point, I don't feel people's energy. And I don't, like, I could hear you talk about certain people. And if it's not really the vibe I'm on, I just kind of move away from that. At some point, although prestigious, although you know, a good notch under my belt. I'm the secretary at, at a board that I'm alongside Felipe Luciano, Jerry Goldfeather. Look those two names up. The, the writer of all of New York's election law for the most part. Felipe Luciano, a revolutionary poet, young lord. The Falu sisters. I'm alongside of prominent people as a board member and I'm there for years. I'm thankful of the, um, the, the blessing of being able to be asked to be a board member, taking the institutes. Um, we, we had our first year of an institute that we put together. Um, and in that, I learned grassroots campaign, all the political stuff that I learned and all that, um, how to organize. I learned the value. I learned a tremendous amount of my time. But at the end of the day, it's like when the party's going and people are vibing a certain way. All to say, I, I removed myself from there. Um, I wasn't really feeling some of the conversations. And so I stepped away. People were stepping away before me. Um, Felipe Luciano stepped away. Goldfeather, you didn't see him. And I think to a point that then they're like, you know, you see the minutes and people's names after a month, they're not on it no more. So, you know, a phone call happened, even if you didn't, you wasn't told the story. Anyway, point being, like we got integrity. And at that moment, I had to ask myself, am I just sticking with it because I like the name on my resume? Am I sticking with it because I like every post that I'm putting on Facebook? And it's making me who I am. And so Rich Kings, Rich Rich, the guy that you know, the guy that I reduce myself to is always like my baseline. This is me. And so I have to take all that and strip myself away from it because I find myself to be a person of integrity. If I don't vibe there, what's the point of me making a buck alongside of values that I don't really, I don't like some of the things that I see. And so the final straw for me is when this individual this um, was put as a supervisor over me and he wasn't even an employee. 
he he was paid as a consultant. And so it's like, you could have gave me that in salary. And now you got somebody over me. And I'm not clearly knowing, like, because there's not, at this point, it's really unclear, like, what exactly you want from me. And so I had a hard time understanding that. But at the same time, I felt all the pressures and it became too much. The moment that they gave him as my um, supervisor, I think it was, it could have been that they gave me the news it was going to happen. I think somebody gave me the word it was going to happen. Then it happened. And when it happened, I think it was like on a Thursday and Friday, I put my four-week notice because I needed four weeks because of the position I had there. I put my notice. I heard the way that these people used to talk about other people. I never liked it. And so now you're the person over me. I already know how you're going to use that. Because I hear the way you you talk to people, me being on the board, me being around you so much. So now you're going to have a level of authority over me. I can't have that. I could I could be on one lane side by side with you, but I already jumped off another lane with you. And so Cat Williams and this whole, this whole get up to me and where I pull that is like, with entertainment, like everybody's trying to get on the screen, right? Everybody seemed like they're all on the lane. But one person is being a buffoon about it and being clownish. One person is selling their soul to get to that screen. So there's many paths to the screen. And what are you willing to do? In your world, there might not be a screen, but you got a ladder in front of you with a bunch of rungs. And so just like entertainers, us at a whole other level, we still got to face these jobs and our integrity, these church groups and our integrity. Because like I said, work was one experience. Another experience was church altogether. Like I spent a decade twisting myself and conforming into what I knew was required of me to be in the faith. And what I mean by that, to spell it out, if you're going to be a Christian and you're going to profess as a Christian, identify as a Christian, it would not only be wise, but it is an act of obedience and submitting to this group that you, you know, you walk the walk. And so in the time of which I got into leadership, I've met a tremendous amount of people. I got amazing opportunities to be on stage, to speak. I lend credence to my time during uh, being inside and involved in church to speaking publicly. I always spoke and I can comfortably speak stories and stuff, but to be able to organize my thought, write it all down and not be a person that has a, a degree. For those who've been following my story, I'm not a person that has college under me. I'm not from academia. What you see is what you get the school of hard knocks, like many of y'all. Because my listener, my average listener, comes from that space. And so we know the vibe when we speak to each other. So the language I'm talking to you now is a dude that have faced these opportunities that like, I could bend who I am, but can I face myself and do that? And I can't because that'll be me having to live like somebody I'm not for a gain. And you can only live like that, but for so long. And so my experiences in church, right, from becoming saved, I was saved one day, I had a crazy spending habit, uh, alcohol habit, and I was done. I was tired of it. And so there was a church up the block. And so my story involves a few churches and experiences. So this is like a stretch of a decade. And so to fast forward it a little bit, this is the time-lapse version. You start seeing shit that's a little similar in every church. And that's the stuff you know is not going away. All right. Again, this is not the juicy and the spicy. That'll be another episode. But there's some consistencies of how the business side of church is, the significance of it, the reliance on it, and how they use scripture to justify certain things. And then there's the application of rules and enforcement of rules, which somehow seem to have bias in them, where people like to bend the rules for certain people. 
even to the extreme point of where somebody would have otherwise been in jail. And so I think to myself, like, we hear, like, we all, so just let's put it on one side. For the people who have never been involved in church, you guys have heard a story of church that to you, you're surprised, like, damn, and that's church. That's you. Then there's the other side of us who are not blind and don't just believe every lie and are not like fools who have actually been in church and seen these things. What's for the person like me who is not a mathematician, but what is the statistics? What's, what's the data show the probability? That's the word I'm looking. I'm going through all the basic mathematical words, probability. What is the probability that I see bullshit on church one, church two, church three, a lot of it similar, a lot of it definitely against the book, right? What's the chances? So what's to say what, right? What's my conclusion? That they're evil and they're sending you to hell in the basket, whatever. Not saying none of that. Sometimes I could for certain situations. But all to say, these motherfuckers are just like you and me. You're a whole ass adult getting punished by a church. Get over it. We're all humans on a path. My gripe with the church and my gripe with the conformity that's required of me is that like, if I call myself a duck, I got to operate like a duck. And when I'm not being that, I should be held to that standard. And so I had an experience with my family. We've been in leadership and this is like the end all. This was like the, the la this is another last straw moment. I said the last straw moment for the job. I'm gonna give you a last straw moment with the church. Fast forward, I had a ton of experiences, observations, some things I, I just couldn't wrap my head around. And there was wonderful things, like I said, that happened. I learned how to play the guitar and, and be, I was able to play on stage. I did a lot of things like, all the, that's all the good stuff, right? Dope, awesome, amazing, right? But then onto the other experiences, I was like, hmm, Okay, let's see how the conflict is resolved. Let's see, you know. And so at one point in, um, in, in the second to last church we was in, I had gotten to the point in leadership that I was offered pastoral um, to, to be a pastor in a church. And this wasn't an ordination. It was an appointed pastor. So this is not one that came with paperwork, but nonetheless, it was deemed at that point me of character, me of everything that I've contributed and, and, and my demeanor. So to say in all the years of being a Christian, I've gotten to the point of recognition to be offered the opportunity to which I said yes to. And um, no sooner than I said yes to it, the pastor of that church had a moral falling. That's what they call it in the church. Um, what they call it in the streets is that he was fucking somebody else and other people because that's just normal terminology. And if we're going to keep it a stack and talk about it, because here's my thing, and this is why I said that right there is so extreme. My experience after coming out of that church and operating as what a pastor should when he's given information that shows that somebody had a moral falling, right? Playing to the book. Because again, what's this all about, right? You could be mad at Cat and call him crazy, but what he's pointing his attention to is that there's rules, there's an ethic, and there's a code of conduct, but to the rich and powerful, or the rich or powerful, not so much. And... As strong as your boundary is, is going to determine how far these people can go. But are they going to come crashing into your boundaries full force? You're going to see that. In any place of power, don't be surprised. My surprising was that I was going to see that shit in the church. And what happened to me after my experience, because I call it out. Now I'm on the phone with another pastor from another church, like a sister church, who um, he's a part of a board. And this is where like politics gets involved because pretty much like there's groups in place to overlook other people and... There's denominations that people get involved. This thing gets so political and it becomes such a chess move 
that like it really is. And I've seen a re I seen a show on TV, Greenleaf. If you want to know how church, your local church operates, a Bronx local church, watch that show. I, I promise you, all of that is what's happening at your local church. So anyway, you know, and not to sour the story, take the good, the bad, whatever. I don't identify myself as a Christian no more, right? But as a person that played outside the box, then I went in the box and the outside. I believe my perspective. I I believe my perspective is full. You understand? Also, I had a character before going into the church. Like the streets knew me to be somebody. There was times that I became a Christian and people were still coming up to me for work, about work. Like, yo, you know, like to ask about a number and I'm looking at them like, I don't even curse no more. That's what being a person of integrity is about, right? So that was a switch up for me. That was me being a person that I wasn't before that. But that's because like, if you're going to go play a lane, play the lane, right? You go take a shortcut. Every shortcut presented to you is you taking the fast track that's not a version of you. And sometimes that fast track is fast money. Sometimes that fast track is like a fast promotion. You want to be the deaconess of the church so bad. They gave you this position because now you got a certificate you got from your local church that you could show your family. They're going to recognize you one day. You get the family. Your family don't see you. You feel unseen to your block. You feel unseen to all the places you've ever been a part of. But your local church printed this certificate, wanted to honor you, still charge everybody $50 a head in the sanctuary you pay in tithe for, but that's a whole other story, right? But they recognize you, and this is the first place you've ever been recognized. You feel important, rightfully so, right? You're important somewhere. But for some people, unlike me, because I'm not from that, I had a name outside the church. I had a reputation outside the church. I was in good standing with my hood. And so it wasn't that drastic for me to just give all that up. And just like from day to day, it was like I was a pastor one day. So the next day I was no longer, not that nobody took me off of it, but you know, like, like my last row for the job, I had to boogie from there. What are you willing to do? You think that shit came easy? Do you guys think it's easy at all to take a place that you've invested so much time, you've invested so much heart, relationships, right? To then face a situation the way you should and then be given a, a lie of a story. Yo, like the truth eventually will come out. And it's now that everyone knows that what we were saying was the truth. But at the time, it was people who were scared to talk. It was people who didn't have integrity that kept the lie going or kept the truth suppressed. And in my experience there, that final experience, it wasn't my final experience as a Christian either. I tried another church. We made a move, COVID happened. I tried to find my way into a church at one point. And this is what I realized, and this is to the credence of the church. In the same way I had bad experiences and an expectation of the church to me, I recognize my life to be operating in a certain way now that I'm not willing to participate if I'm going to be against what you guys stand for. I love the person I am today, and I embrace him. And for a while, I, I, I shut off sides of me, things that pleased me, and like I, I turned that dial all the way down, all the way down for stuff, because the church and religion made me feel those things was very important. And that's all it is. The wrong in that is that the expectations was different. I played to the rules, so I will no longer go into those places because there's no reconciling of who I am to that. I've been that before and I was that for a long time. Now with my adjust adjustments, I look less like a Christian than to feel comfortable going for me and for you. The favor I do is that I'm not walking through those doors, let alone my belief system. So in character, I'm not going to be there. And then I've been deconstruction. I've been deconstructing my faith as well. And 
I'm taking my time with it. I'm biting one slow bite at a time. Because the rush on Christianity and the church be that Jesus could come tomorrow. Well, if he comes tomorrow, he knows I had one hell of a ride. And if today I decide, let me ask some Muslims about their faith and kind of do some question and answers and get some perspective and then meet the, the, the Buddhist that's two doors down from me. In real life, there's one. And sit down in his, in his little program and ask him, like, you know, how this works. And then let's say I take the whole path and go back. Or let's say I stay somewhere else for a while. I believe the God that I serve, the God that I believe in, wouldn't sweat that. So I, I'm, I may be serving a different God than, than them. And so because we're serving two different masters and I can't serve two masters, I'm going to go serve my master. And I'm pretty sure that as long as I'm trying, and, and it's not even my mission statement. I'm just on a tangent talking about shit because for real, like I can take this energy and be hot. And at some point, even with my relationships, where it's like where I drew the line with people, is that people thought when I would hit them up that I was just going to vent about the situation. And really, like, I had some good friendships with people that I thought I'd be able to just go ahead and, and, and talk with them and vibe with them just as a human being. I had a lot in common with people. But then, you know, I started hitting people up and they, like, like the room, the energy in the room would change certain, like, gatherings that people had. I'm like, let me chill with the brothers. And some people had to ask, yo, can Rich come? Because what? You're going to ask me my opinion and I'm going to say my opinion? Like, this ain't my first place of stardom. I've been, I've been popular in school. I've been popular in my hood. Like, I've been that person for a minute. This don't, I'm going to say what I say, whether you like it or not. If it's a truth, I'm standing on it. If it's untruthful, if it's not a truth. You know, so I've been on that energy for a minute now, and I've always been on that energy. But that energy is costing me being in places where it's like, all right, cool. Like, people intimidate it, and they're not going to put you on to a certain opportunity. Or people going to talk behind your back. And that shit hurts, man, when your family get used to a whole whole routine and now you got to be somewhere else so again like this ain't hollywood but it's just a scaled down version and in my totem pole i, I know you guys can relate to that because that's politics that's politics for you politics is pretty much the way everything intertwined in your life and so yeah that was that was my thing with the job and that was my thing with um with church and stuff like that but standing on your word is integrity you determine what that word is from paying somebody back when you owe them and you're down, and it may feel better for you to just hold that to your pocket, but you know you owe somebody. Hit them back first. Like, that's the right thing to do. That's your word. You understand? Like, that's integrity. Being that person. Or to like Cat Williams in the sense that having clearly defined boundaries. Feel me? So, a direct quote from Cat Williams from the interview on the Shay Shay show. If you wanted me to speak more highly of you, then perhaps you should have treated me better. You don't get to narr narrate my experiences with you. Again, this is church, right? Again, I'll say it again. If you wanted me to speak more highly of you, then perhaps you should have treated me better. You don't get to narrate my experiences with you. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so we go from that, and then there's this claim about removing an inappropriate scene from uh, Friday After Next. Uh, yeah, I don't know what I feel about that. Because... Like, this goes to your pop-off. All right, this is what happened. For those of you who have not caught the interview with Cat Williams, then there's these... Uh, so he goes on to it. It's a three-hour podcast episode interview. And so he covered a lot of ground. I'm not going to name all the names. I got a little section of stories and, and people I could kind of scroll through and read their little situations. He talked everybody from... Um, from Steve Harvey, calling him Mr. Potato Head, talking about his hairline. He, he went into Steve... Um, he went into Harvey Weinstein... 
And um, in fact, on hype, I'm going to start there. In fact, since we got to his name, Uy, que freco, this guy. Harvey Weinstein, for those who don't remember, big time Hollywood mogul, but he had been known for using the casting couch. So he used his platform to, um, to groom people and to use his place to give people position, pretty much uh, tripping on his power. So Steve, uh, so Harvey Weinstein had been known through circles. And that's the thing with Hollywood. And that's the thing with communities. Like you have the echoes in the walls of who gets down like what. But Cat Williams in this whole episode kind of gave us the fly on the wall. Because he's been the dude, and not the fly on the wall because he's involved in Hollywood. But he just wasn't with the shit. And the best way to explain it is the way that he said it himself. He was like, them parties be like a mansion party where the main party is the mansion. But then there's a lot of little shit happening in every room. And then you open one room and it's like, what is this? And the what is this is some extreme behavior. And he goes on to talking about being propositioned. Now, if you're going to be called anybody of integrity, fellas, for you, like, I come from the fold that my wife, you can't play with the booty because I stand on business. I stand on business. But, yo, if something feel weird for you, and I'm not to yuck nobody's yum, but, like, if that's you, that's you. But if it's not me, ain't nothing going to talk me into it being me. That's me being a man of integrity. It could be from everything to the booty. And so he even says that, though. I only said that, not just my example. I playfully say that, but in real life, yo, Cat Williams said that. He said the two things that was his goal, this is paraphrasing it, was that he don't give his ass up for no parts and he don't suck a dick for no parts. But then there's the metaphorical dick that people suck when they're brown nosing and they're trying to get ahead and they step on you. What's the quítate tú pa ponerme yo, right? People like that. So we all got to face it. So the echoes and the things that we hear from these stories, the behind the scenes from a person who's been there themselves is the same as that OG that's been in the hood telling you like, yo, I seen a hundred paths, a hundred people do it. Yo, fam, you're headed to danger. I don't watch 10 indictments. Yo, real talk, real talk. All right. And I be careful about this, but shout outs to the to the family. Because God forbid a sound bite, a sound bite be like, you know, shout outs to the squad. Cause my man's my man's done, they don't went through Rico charges. You feel me? That's a whole other environment. Like we could talk Hollywood, but then there's also the streets. This is this is applicable everywhere. Cat Williams wasn't just schooling y'all how Hollywood look. He was schooling y'all. On how humanity look, on how power looks, on how manipulation look. What, what he's so smart in doing in his double entendre and his way of saying one thing and saying another, saying one thing and speaking to two whole different people, is that he told you, oh, this is how people get funky over here. At the same time, letting you realize the little bitch ass bullshit moves that people pull on you at the church, at your job, your bitch ass job, them fucks that you be chilling with, your church. Again, you a whole adult. How you on timeout in school? How the fuck that sounds like you on timeout as an, as an adult because a group of people in this building that you paid for found you in bad standing for something? If you fuck that shit up, move, move away, go somewhere else, man. That's it. That church ain't trying to get seminars and having people learn how to buy a house and move out the community. Because once you do that, your tithe ain't there no more. You're going to be, you know, the Lord has led me to serve in my neighborhood. And I see the loss there. And I just think to myself that. You know, the lost is everywhere, and if I dare to call this place home, then I shall, as Jesus, take care of home. Amen? Amen? Glory be to God. And justify certain terms, because you see, all that stuff sounds sweet, you know what I mean? 
gently put, but all all this hypothetical statement is to say, no, real talk, real talk. All this is to say that when there's a bias that's present, there's an opportunity that's present. If it's in the wrong hands, they're going to take it. Does church present those opportunities? When there's not clearly defined rules, yes. If the pastor of a church can finagle the rules on the book and outmaneuver you, then yes. If the, if the job can have a board of directors and then get a majority vote, talk behind closed doors, make a plan, and then a coup happens and now there's a new CEO to an organization that a person started out of nowhere, or even failed coup. I sat, I sat through a failed coup at a job in one of my higher positions in life. I was at the meeting. I was, I was the only one responsible for taking minutes at this and all that. And I watched, I watched people leave that place in different caps. Different groups of people meet together and leave. This is, this is not just Hollywood. It's everywhere you go. Pardon me, I'm taking a pull. I ain't come out to the closet with my kids yet on this. Even though that was my, um, that was uh, one of my resolutions. But, yo, you go through this shit with your family too. Your family's rotten as well. Calling you the black sheep. All you do is know everybody's business and call people out. You pull their car when they try to pull one on you. Wait, ain't you that same person that's on crack, auntie? You're not that same person talking to me about my phone bill that I pay. You criticizing me, but you're here still in my Genesis games, like for real? That's what time we on? You know why I could say that to you guys right now? Because family don't support you and your shit either. Or to further my point that niggas probably not even listening to this episode. Because it's strangers that support you nowadays. You want to make that... You want to make that IG page with all your pastries and stuff and all the things that you cook? The family might know about it. It's strangers that go push, push your, your advertisement over. You do these designs and you make things. You're creative. You got an Etsy and all that. It's the people you meet along the way that be supporting you. Because they got no image of you that they've made. Other people, they don't dare to make an adjustment. They want you right where they are. And that's where the criticism comes. Cat Williams and us and people in this position who stand on integrity, often are, seem, are, are, are made to seem like they're crazy. So now let's, let's, uh, let's move into what we call challenging the norms. Because you're crazy when you're not normal. When you're not the cookie cutter, when you're not falling within the perimeters of this, you're just wacky. I've been told when I left the church, oh, he's just bitter. He's just hurt. What does just hurt means? If any expression coming from me, points to something that was an injustice, a grievance. What's the stating the obvious about? What I'm supposed to say to that? No, I'm not. Because like, I, to answer that, I got to stoop to your level and kind of respond. It's weird. People are weird. We know how to use integrity. Cat Williams didn't hold back on calling out some big names either, from allegations of joke death to questioning the rapid success of stars like Kevin Hart. It's a tough conversation about authenticity and recognition. In our community, how often have we seen, we've seen credit given or not given when it's due? It's a reminder to acknowledge and uplift our local talents. And so, some of the people who we know locally, because Hollywood is crumbling, look closely. We're not on movies like that anymore. All those movies are is art imitating life. We're so connected to the life, we don't even need to wait for it to be a whole production to the screen. I could open my TikTok for that. Give me an hour scrolling. I'll scroll to the part one, follow the page and get part two, or scroll and eventually get to the start. The algorithm start hitting you with what? For those who don't know TikTok rock like that, like we're at a different time. So like supporting locally, 
and not being on a jock of nobody pretty much because like we give people way too much power and the humbling we get from looking at like these different spaces is that like that CEO, oh, but I'm going to get fired. If you're getting fired on your virtues, then you're just removing yourself by action. That's what you're doing. Stand on who you are. You got to be worth more than what they're paying you. Because if not, they wouldn't pay you what they're paying you. There's no way they'd pay you what you're worth. That's not how capitalism works. They're for profit. Even not for profit. Sitting down with CEOs. Yo, my, my old CEO made a move that after retirement helped her land a million dollars in her account. Talk about seeing people's integrity. So many people who could have benefited from a raise. Certain social programs that they could have used. They could have used that as seed money and grants in the area. We... We had lessons. I used to give presentations on the health disparities of the community. I used to give nation. I used to give figures and 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 present data that coincided with 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 our cultures, the way that we ate, and and these were yo listen the metrics, the the, the stuff that I was presenting had to do with national figures, how prevalent asthma is, how prevalent diabetes is, the types of food and the effect, and I I do these presentations in outreach to different centers. I was moving around for a while, but with, with, with these spaces, this is what power is supposed to be. And here we go. We did that with what we had. You take a million dollars. I can only imagine what our impact could have been because we of all people knew what was missing. We would have had to just use that money to fulfill the other end of it. What do we need to achieve to, 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 to bring that? Not just turkey drives and stuff like that. Like thinking outside the box and doing new things. But she managed to get the person she wanted as the next CEO, even though it wasn't the person that, that should have had it. And then she also went and got herself a really, really... I used to watch when she would appeal to the board to get hefty raises as well. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's all politics. Even when... It, and I could talk... I'm not even allocating any time to my time in politics because I was also involved in politics. And that shit was there too. But that's for a whole other episode. But anyway... So I have a list of people and situations. Steve Harvey. He says Steve Harvey's country ass. This is Cat Williams' words. Right? Can't land movie deals because he's really not that funny. I've always thought that Cat that Steve Harvey was funny, a funny guy. But when I think about it, like, are you funny? Like, cut for Hollywood funny? Are you cut for? And he's not. And so Cat Williams gives you a certain angle. Has been giving people. He's crazy though. He's crazy for saying it. Anyway. Um, propositions, right? Because he said that Harvey Weinstein offered to suck his dick in front of a room of people. So here's my thing. Like, where's your off-ramp at? Because I don't know if I would have lost it at the proposition or like the consideration of the proposition. Like, what this guy just told me? Because like in the hood, if you went as far as uh, yo, can I? Like the minute the word, the last word in that sentence left the mouth of the person that said it, he's going to catch it. Like, how you turn that off? I, I cannot imagine me being in Hollywood and being in that room. But that's probably to say that I'm not as patient and, and wise as a Cat Williams that had to endure that. Because how you don't fumble the bag and you hold that one in to keep the bag going, to, to make sure you don't got a real charge that sticks, because according to him, 19 felonies, no jail, no time, no, no conviction, right? And that's why I had a whole new respect for him as well. And this is the thing, right? Because when you're on the right track, people are going to talk so much bullshit about you. I started hearing so much stuff about me from people. 
And there'll be times that people come to me and say other things to other friends, people that I knew in the hood that like to me, I thought that they saw me a certain way because of the energy we gave each other. So I'm ba like, I know the people who don't like me. I know the people who cringe when I'm around because I can see it. And I respect them so much more because they give me the face and I know what time it is. Don't be sneaky because if you can smile on my face and you got something against me, a criticism I've never heard or whatever like that, it's crazy fake. Because how I come up in your space and you're acting all cool, if that's not your default, show me what it is. We ain't got to use words or anything like that, but you know what I mean? Give me that energy. Because far, far too often people want to act a certain way and then, you know, be something else. But he had words about Tyler Perry. Uh, he talked about Kanye West, Kim Kardashian. And the funny thing about this interview, three-hour interview, it's a bombshell interview. It's trending. Duh, obviously, I'm talking about it. But, like, everyone's talking about it. And people are feeling the need to have rebuttals. You have Ludacris saying one thing. Like, there's so much power in this platform. And so I think to myself, right, like, in those times that I'm talking about in my story, yo, that was painful. I give you guys a tone about my job. I could kind of lay it up with a funny story, right? And then I tell you, like, what made me have to go. I could tell you the church story, right? I could tell you, like, this is my timeline and give you the little time-lapse version without all the real inside details. Like I said, that's the mild version. Not out of respect, but out of the consideration of time. But what I can say about all those times, it was very painful. I had to spend time so uncertain about what tomorrow was going to bring. Being a father, a husband, right? You have to continue. You need assurances, right? Like tomorrow's not promised. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. But, you know, when you, when, you, uh, when you jump from one opportunity to the next because of your values, you're so vulnerable. But it's so worth it. Because when you find yourself fighting for yourself and speaking up, Man, there was this one time I couldn't take it anymore. I had got shoved by people and not fought back. I've had little situations where it's like I got hit. And um, I was at that age and, and time where I wasn't protecting myself. I didn't have that voice yet, but I could bring myself to that one time where I took that first try at swinging back and it landed. And the feeling I had from that, that's all I needed to tell myself I was not going to be a victim anymore. Ever. Ever. And so, like... Whether that's physically like protecting yourself or whether that's just you protecting who you are by a resignation letter, by a boundary, by a text. Some of you guys might have somebody to send a text to right now to say, yo, look, you know, I thought about it. And uh, where we left off was this and that. And I think this is what we should be because we clearly, you know, are on different pages. And that's not a, a bad thing. It's just better we take different paths and acknowledge each other's paths. So respect to you and your path. Respect me on mine and things should be cool. And that'll be your way of just saying like, go on about your business respectfully. And as I'm saying this to you with respect, you already know I'm going to keep it moving. Somebody asked me how things went. I'm going to tell my experience, but if you ain't treating me crazy, there shouldn't be nothing for you to worry about. Going back to the quote, because this is pretty much the same shit that he said. I got to pull that up. Where's this quote at? Let's pull it up. If you wanted me to speak more highly of you, then perhaps... You should have treated me better. You don't get to narrate my experiences with you. And so, like, people could take their hot take on me. I put myself there. People could talk about you, right? I'm being me all along, and you're creating a version of me you want, you need, or you think. Until you ask me a question, you can't make any more judgment. But if you do, then you're creating a version of me. And you got to deal with that. So if you're surprised I didn't call you at this time, it's because you created a version of me. That I'd be picking my phone up for every call. You created a version of me that after work hours was going to respond to emails. You created a version of me 
that is going to take four days sick in a row because I'm still sick and I'm not ready to go back to the office, right? And that version that I am, you're surprised because you created a whole different version and you realize who I really am and you want to give me heat because you want me to be closer to who you made. Nah, I was right in what I said. I know what I'm saying. You ever had that, if you're not this person, you ever had that person at work that be loose with their tongue to like the superiors, the bosses, and everybody look at them like they crazy, like, yo, you bugging, right? That's, you're bugging. That's the terminology. You're bugging. You're crazy that you dare to talk to. That person's just a person. And that's usually the way that they ask. But anyway, lessons from, lessons for the community. Where do we take this? What is this worth? Like, this is, this is cool that we reflect, but how all this shit looks in action? What can we, the black and brown Bronxites community, New Yorkers, whatever, submit, put in the spaces any urban town you're from, right? What can we learn from Cat Williams' interview? First, the power of your voice, right? Your voice has power. Sticking up for yourself is going to require your voice. If you haven't yet, find your voice. Some of us need therapy and we had it all fucked up. And that's where we're going to find our voice. Some of us are going to keep on striking out and trying new things until we find our voice. But don't hush yourself. Live your life. Push forward. Find your voice and realize the power of your voice. If you're speaking on who you are, then your voice matters. That's your value. Now, whether you're a comedian, a poet, you speak out against a system on any platform, you speak on a platform, you have a reputation uh, to withhold an image, you work on behalf of something, a brand, you're on stage often in whatever capacity, a local artist, your voice matters. You speak your truth. And do not worry that you're going to be blackballed. Do not worry about the consequence. Because at the end of the day, fast forward 20 years, there's going to be receipts on you. And people are going to remember who you started off at, as and who you fish, finishing up as. A person like Cat Williams, as we see, had a certain stamina. And people said so many things about him. But at the end of the day, when we look at these receipts, he can show you a timeline of people stealing jokes. He can absolutely and definitively, with witnesses, say, I've done this for people. I've been propositioned. I've been asked to, to do things that are outside my code of conduct. And I stood on integrity. And in doing so, I've been called crazy because you'll be called crazy. I was called angry and just bitter because you'll be called bitter and angry. You'll be all kind of things. You'll be demonized because you're on the other side, being yourself while they want you to be somebody else. So whether you're a big stage person, local artist, your voice matters, you speak your truth. And don't play a high maintenance character that you cannot uphold. What you got to do is here. This is the lesson for you. Point one, you live above reproach. Imagine today that what you do today can be captured. The Bill Cosby's of the world, the people who did their offenses, the, the P. Diddy's and the scandals that we're seeing, right? They couldn't imagine a world that we were so interconnected. So it was like at the time they did their things, their power reigned at a time that they were able to, but it was at a time. And then when a new time came, they can no longer reign because now there's, there's the flip side. And I, I, I guess in some ways we can see that and call it karma or the yin and the yang, and just something contrasting, because for a season, this power is getting it, and now truth is getting a lick back. And, and we're in a season of that lick back, where like, you ain't got to do nothing because things are exposing themselves. You got to be that person today of integrity, because in 20 years, you're going to be a living lesson to somebody, to your kids, to whatever thing you start today, 
right? Because if today, like I said, and I'm keeping it local and grassroots because I'm a motherfucking grassroots person. Like, this is Kingsbridge Rich, the Bronx. I'm not talking to you from a soapbox. I'm not talking to you as a dude that's done went crazy far and made it and stuff. I'm talking to you from the hood. I'm talking to you from this platform. This shit is as gritty as it needs to be. I'm keeping it funky for you because that's the, that's the tone of this show. And to just keep it a stack and tell it what it is, you know, at the end of the day, you got to live this way and be who you got to be. Because 20 years later, somebody's going to remember. You, you're you going to be on that platform today, like I said, making foods. And, and, and you're a person that's starting a, a at-home um, business. You know, you sell something, you create something, whether it's food, right? Fast forward 15 years from now, if you climbed up that ladder and you made a bunch of twists and turns that's not legit and you messed up people along the way, then when you got that big business, somebody's going to come out for you. And they're going to wait until you went all the way up them rungs. Success, step one, two, three, four. You climbed as far up to say, now it's worth it to knock this person off, that horse. You don't want to be that person. You want to be smart today to know that that person could come. If not, then you're just a person that's living for today. If not, and that's not your worry, then you got life figured out. Then it's all good. You know, you're living life to just pay a bill and you don't got goals. But for the person who has goals, for the person that is not just going to press repeat, at the beginning of every day, because today and tomorrow is the same as today and every day. For those who got goals, for those who have plans to go forward and to be somebody, for those who have aspirations, right? You're on a timeline, you're on a path. What you do today is going to matter to future self. Make sure you know what you're trying to build, that brand, that image of who you are, those details that you capture, who you're telling the world you are on, on your social platforms, on paper, who you documenting yourself as. I promise you the return, it might take longer to get there. People might call you crazy on your way there and people may knock the moves and the steps that you take. But if you do it based on principle, you stand on principle. If you do this standing on business, if you do this with integrity, if you do this based on the character that you're saying you are, you call yourself to that and you allow room for accountability, I guarantee you it may take longer. If you're lucky, it'll come sooner. If you're blessed, it'll come sooner. But I promise you, the reward yields so much better when you stand on who you authentically are and you travel that path as him. Because that version of him or her don't got to look over their shoulders. That version of him or her, when somebody's upset, you know, it's because they voiced their opinion. Oh, I can see where it went like that. Other than that, it ain't my business until you make it my business. Feel what you feel about me. But who you are today is going to impact down to the spoon that you feed yourself. Every decision you do today is based on that person you love tomorrow. How many more tomorrows you're blessing that person with that you're paying it forward? Pay yourself something forward. Some of y'all right now need to hear this and, and encourage yourselves again and start something that y'all ain't start for a long time. Some of y'all worry too much about what other people's thinking. Some of y'all are in those very spaces that I was talking about that make you feel like you're not worthy. You think your business is there. You think that was what your support was going to be at. That's not your support. That's not your tribe. Yeah, that's your blood. That's not your family. That's not your riders. That's not the people who are going to be on the journey with you. Maybe they was for a time, and now you're on different paths. Respectfully, yo, look, I want to acknowledge this, but it looked like we move in this direction. Yo, peace to you on yours. I hope everything is well. Like, for real, much respect to you. And again, I might talk my bullshit on my side. Respect it. If I got a receipt on it, let me, let me play for it. Let me play with it. You know, that was my outtake. That was my outtake with the church, Pastor Phil, doing what he did, lying about it. Feel me? So, all to say, man... I could say that. Be above reproach. The church says it. I learned that in church. I told you there was some good stuff that I got out of there. But be above reproach. Because one day, 
Karma might come for you, whatever you want to call it. Somebody might be coming back to get their lick back. And people remember. And the internet remembers. It's, uh, it's not a good look. But all to say, guys, I thank you for your time. I appreciate this time with each other. Catch y'all in another episode of My Bronx Story. Peace.